This is The Politics of Everything, and I'm your host, Amber Danes. Welcome to the podcast where we want to discuss the politics of everything, from money to motherhood, nutrition to narcissism, startups to secularism, the environment to equality, and much more. Our guests are experts in their field or topic of choice, even if you've not yet heard their name. This is a bipartisan podcast, so while we love exploring varied views and get a buzz from a healthy debate, by no means is this a one-sided forum for any one political view. So please listen up and enjoy the politics of everything. Every day we have a range of experiences with the external world. Sometimes they're with loved ones, sometimes it's about retail therapy, or sometimes it's just about being at work. But what makes some of them more memorable for all the right reasons and some of them not? I believe that effective and appropriate communication is at the heart of all great transactions of both the commercial and personal kind. My guest today is Dr. Dr. Emily Vestager, who has 15 years of experience within the health and human services sector. She's an expert at capturing and integrating consumer voice into strategy and governance frameworks. Her clients include Deloitte Digital, Centre Group, and the University of the Sunshine Coast. She's a speaker, mentor, author, and consumer experience futurist. We get to dig deep into her brain today as we unpack the politics of experience. Welcome, Emily. Thank you so much. I'm a little bit, uh, little bit disturbed by the thought of digging deep into my brain, but uh, I hope you find <laughs> well, something useful. You're obviously a smart cookie, so um, I'm, I'm really happy to have you here today. And yes, digging into your brain is obviously just a metaphor. We're not doing any <laughs> surgery on the podcast today. So when you were growing up, did you have a dream job and what was it? Mm, That's such an easy question. Yes, I did. I wanted to be a medical doctor and I had three kind of alternative fantasies running there. Uh, So I either wanted to be a forensic pathologist or a general practitioner or an emergency physician. And I think those three kind of possible career choices give me give uh, an interesting insight into into me (laughs) and the way that I work. So I'm a little bit obsessed with information and the the idea of reconstructing, you know, who done it and what happened from from physical evidence in front of um, in front of you, like really made me quite excited. And the 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 general pr- practitioner part is, you know, I'm such a people person. I love to connect with people, uh, and I saw, you know, general practitioners as being people who did that. And the third part of it is, you know, there's a latent bit of rock star in all of us, I think. And I saw the, you know, the emergency physician dashing around and putting fingers into arteries as, you know, just staunch blood flow as something that was really quite interesting and exciting. So, medical doctor is the short answer and um, three alternative fantasies is the long answer. Wow. Most people, uh, I ask that question to it. It's kind of like, I want to be an Olympic Olympic gymnast or, you know, a a vet or something else. So you you definitely have given us a a different perspective. (laughs) You did earn a PhD though, and you call yourself a reformed research academic, tech start survivor and public policy analyst. My brain hurts just reading those. (laughs) So what has your career really involved before sort of your latest incarnation of what you do? Like what makes you tick and what's been the common thread on the career journey so far? Oh, and you know what? Thank you so much for asking that question because um, until recently I thought that there was nothing threading those those things that I've done together and I felt like a little bit of a failure until, you know, a a mentor of mine did encourage me to, to think about it and go, well, actually there, there is a common thread, Emily. And, and I realize now that that, 
there there are almost kind of three parts to what's common. Obviously, I I, I didn't. I didn't do medicine, like I didn't become a medical doctor. So I, I went on, I actually made the po- the decision at the point of being accepted to medical school, but I didn't want to do medicine. And after that, I was kind of cast adrift because I'd wanted to do it for so long that I, I hadn't thought about any kind of alternative realities. And so I went on to do the PhD kind of almost as something to fill my time in. But uh, most women just go traveling around the world with a backpack, Emily, that I could have, could have, but didn't. <laughs> So the the um, the thing the, the the thing that connects is is that passion for people that I mentioned before. So literally, I'm one of those people who sit at airports and wonder about the people around me. Like, are they related? What? Ooh, they look like they're having a fight. Why are they having a fight? What's that all about? Um, so I'm passionate about uh, people. I'm also passionate about innovative uh, innovation. I. I I think I drive a few people bonkers because I ask so many questions and I'm curious and I always want things to be better and the best version possible, um, which you can imagine that plays out pretty well in uh, <laughs> when I'm working for someone. No, 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 it's it's not perfect. Make it more perfecter um, and also in my relationships. And I'm also really passionate about weaving together pieces of information to come up with insight and I guess that's the last you know, that last thing is what I'm doing most of at the moment, but there is definitely an element of of innovation and pushing the envelope and trying to do th- new things uh, and also with um, complete and utter respect for, for people at, at the heart of it. That's interesting. Can you tell us a little bit about this Tech Start Survivor experience? Because I think a lot of the audience would be curious about that. I know I am. We sort of, you know, we always hear about people doing these tech startups and it all sounds like it's just going to be Atlassian and, you know, listing, you know, from billions of dollars at about, you know, 10 years later, but it's not always the case. And if you could be a little bit vulnerable, that'd be great just to share what that experience was and what what, what happened and, and, you know, how how it left you. Mm, yeah, bereft, <laughs> empty, broken, um, and a lot poorer. Um, I was having this conversation with my dad actually over over the Easter long weekend. So I think it was an interesting reflection and to, to hear his kind of perspective on what had actually gone wrong. So the, the, the startup itself was kind of cooked up between my brother and my husband who are both, they both work in technology. And we were, essentially we, we created a, a Uh, an online platform for mobile game developers. And what we noticed was that mobile game developers had the, like had the technology component of what they did right. um, But they didn't actually have any marketing or branding associated with that. So my, my fam, my, my father's business, um, my parents' business has for kind of the last 40 years um, been in manufacturing in China. So we had links to manufacturing and we went, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we were able to manufacture a physical product that related to um, the the games that that people played. So we we, we basically um, monetized and productized the the, the characters in these games, um, and we made them smart so that they interacted with the game. So you would have a cute fluffy toy that had an NFC chip in it, and you could scan it on your phone, um, which would then unlock different features of the game. So not a bad idea, and we did actually sell it to the world's largest game developer. Um, um, which is why the startup was great for about six months because we had like this cash injection. But then, then kind of stuff started to happen. So we, we'd kind of predicated our business model on a certain kind of, you know, on our client's development cycle. So they were going to release new things in, in, in a certain time frame. That didn't happen. We were carrying stock. We were paying staff and we basically went broke. So, yeah, so 
it doesn't it doesn't what a ride that's, yeah. that's just incredible and I guess it comes down there of experience you know you've had the experience and then you know I'm sure at the time it was completely devastating but you sound like there might be some lessons in that that you've learned and, and perhaps comes back to you know what you're best at and what works in terms of your connection to people you can definitely take I guess some of that experience and, and infuse it into what you're what you're doing now yeah totally and um and you know it's absolutely I will never run a product-based business again. Um, you know, my, my, my brother has gone on to have another product-based business. My, my husband has gone on to get a real job um, because he never wants to have his own business again, whereas I, I'm like, oh, yep, I'm happy to have my own business again, but I'm not happy to have a product-based business. And, and also I think, yeah, you're, you're 100% right. Thinking about why that, that didn't work was largely to do with um, – largely to do with people and also the insights that we had. So what we actually did was what a lot of businesses do and we start with, we, we kind of go inside out with our ideas. We went, wouldn't this be an awesome ex- idea? And we didn't actually go, does the world need that? And is it going to make people's lives better? And are people actually interested in in the experience of deepening, you know, their interaction with with a game? Is that what it's actually all about? We never did any of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, as you say, interesting uh, to take that forward into the next iteration of what I do. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you do have a solid ability to, I guess, connect information and people in what you're doing now, how does that work for the businesses and people you work with? And are most people quite bad at it and they need someone like you to connect the dots or what does it really involve? Yeah, yeah most people are bad at it and um that's not a that's a judge that's not a judgment that's a, a statement of fact and the reason that people are bad at it i mean i can i can show you why um by by through through my own example why why people are bad at it it's normally because they get i work a lot with fast growing business um and often they kind of get um, caught up in the excitement and things happen really quickly. And so there's not actually a lot of downtime to sit and, and to do that, that deeper insight gathering work. But I also work with corporates. And my observation there is that the corporate structure doesn't actually favor connecting dots, right? There are, there are silos within, in business. Um, and, and the juicy stories, you know, the the really kind of human stories, tend to sit with um, marketing and comms, and you know, the, yes. the, the the deep feedback stuff kind of sits with um, that. That usually sits with um, customer support or customer service, um, and then there's the financial information and the performance information that sits with finance or with sales, and and very often there's no there's no corporate structure to to bring that that together. Um, and I think, I think too, another reason that, um, organizations need help with that insight gathering and interpretation is because blending those different sources of information is, is almost like an art. It's not a science. Um, and I think you would know that's this. That's interesting you say that because you say I think of it as quite scientific and I mm. do think my brain's not wired like that, but mm. you're sort of arguing it's more of an art form. Yeah, and I, I think if you if you think about it from um, an experience you're familiar with, which is um, as, a, as a journalist, so if you have, let's say you're researching a story and you've got to go out to 10 sources and you're almost like the ultimate source of truth, right? So you go out and you have a conversation with person X, Y, Z, you, you have that conversation 10 times and you gather all the data. Now, the reason that someone tells you um, 
tell you know shares the story in a particular way is because of that's they're, they're giving you um, what they've seen or heard or experienced through their own particular lens and sometimes that might be they might have an objective or an agenda that they're trying to push um, you know there's a whole lot of bun- whole lot of stuff going on and your your You've got to then, um, as the kind of the independent repository of all this information, got to balance it out and go, what's what's most plausible? Where's the evidence strongest? You know, and think about it through all the different lenses that the people have provided that information with. That's a great perspective and, and very tangible for most of us to kind of get what you do. Mm. How do you actually create your work opportunities? Are you such a niche specialist that only a handful of people are sort of in that customer experience futurist game or is it that people get to know about you through word of mouth. I mean, how do you actually really generate your business? Mm, slowly, it would seem. No, <laughs> um, look, it's it is way more common than than you think, and I part of it is is the the I think the the lingo, um, this idea of. Um, customer experience and so people tend to go whoa what what is even experience so I like to say that experience is the the physical and the psychological sensation of your brand so it's everything that evokes a a response um, in you so it's everything from how your office smells to when it's open it's about how efficient and kind and consistent your staff are it's about how easy um, it is for me to interact with you um, and it's about that feeling that I get that you actually enjoy doing business with me so it's it's about all of this kind of stuff and I think that the the term customer experience can be quite distancing um, but it but it, it it is I think the, the, the customers who I or the, the clients that I work with kind of come to me in two scenarios. They either come to me um, at the end of something when they're trying to work out what they could have done better or they come to me at the start of something when they're trying to design something new. And the, the second bit is the bit that I that I enjoy most because there is an experience that's associated with everything like, you know, your morning coffee has an experience, your your child has an experience of their, their, their education within a classroom and you have an experience when you fly with a certain airline or when you buy a bag. So um, experiences consist of processes and products and policies and politics and I think each of those things has a people or a human element. Um, and so I, I part of part of my... Um, I guess part of my marketing funnel is is having these kind of conversations and sharing information about what actually an experience is and how we can how we can design it in the future so that it connects more deeply with people. And I guess that means that the market is very big because, as I said, we have an experience of of pretty much everything. Um, so for me, in terms of marketing my business, it's about getting changing changing that kind of focus from experience to something that happens in a retail transaction transaction to something that happens more broadly across um, across sectors and also um, not just between person, um, you know, a consumer as we typically think of a consumer, but also as, as of um, pe- because people who work within organisations have experiences too. So they, your internal stakeholders are also your customers. So you need to design for them as well. 
That's totally fascinating and, and once again, very practical so we can kind of get what you're talking about. So what kind of results does your work create for, say, the end user or the customer or the stakeholder? Are there sort of one or two examples of clients that you've worked with and it can be on a no-names basis mm-hmm. if you like for confidentiality reasons? I mean, what have you actually done to create that positive change and something that we maybe can relate to in terms of the ultimate experience we have as a consumer or, or a stakeholder? Mm, absolutely. So, look <sighs> – I, I like to I like to tell my clients that they're aiming to deliver exceptional experiences and exceptional experiences do two things they drive productivity so that's the the internal that that's what it'll do for your organization um, and it will also drive profitability but it will also it will also help you ultimately connect with your end user so companies that focus on superior experience grow their business there's there's just no arguments about that and you know global surveys continue to show that um you know you you will experience an increase in revenue growth of about 10 to 15 percent by a relentless pursuit of of um customer experience and and also uh, one of the mediating factors is that that happens because you drive customer satisfaction up so and you'll do that by around 20 percent and really, the growth—the wow, growth, incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 not a small, it's not a small kind of return on investment. Um, the growth tends to happen for three years, uh, three reasons. Sorry, not for three years. Um, it, Hopefully, longer than three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's going to be more persistent than that. Look, it improves efficiency, it increases revenue, and it will position you better in the marketplace. So, for instance, one of the clients that I worked with was um, an education provider. So they they provided education to um, general practitioners who were studying for their their RACGP, which is the Professional College for General Practitioners, so for their for their RACGP fellowship. So these these are um, graduated doctors who have decided to specialise in general practice, and they're going through a really stressful period in their lives. So they're balancing family and work and life, and it's really hard for them. They're trying to study between the cracks. And what we did with um, in this piece of work was to 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 survey and to interview these these um, pre fellows really regularly, like every six months, and we built up a really good hard and soft database um, about what mattered most to them. And what we found actually was that the human stuff matters most. So, for instance, like having a great confidant or a professional mentor within the practice that they were studying at, um, having an opportunity to regularly debrief with them was really important. So, that person had to be accessible to them. Um, It was about the people in the education provider's office having a really good knowledge of each of the fellow students. So, so when I call, when something's gone wrong um, within my general practice, I can call the education provider and I can say, this has gone on and the person answering the phone has automatically got context So, because they've got a CRM or, or a system basically so that I am known and I feel seen and respected. Um, That's great. Yeah, yeah, that's a really yeah. good example. I mean, I think once again, it comes down to people, doesn't yep. it? Like it's not all the stuff you do, it's it's the engagement with the people, which is, you know, not probably surprising, but great confirmation that that's what businesses need to do. Yeah, look, and and, and the process stuff, so how you sequence your education modules, for instance, in, in, in the example I've just given, like how you actually do the nuts and bolts of what you do matters a whole lot less. Than, than that people stuff, which is kind of annoying because we get a little bit obsessed with our processes and our products and our, you know, um, but but it's actually um, when it comes to experience, it's less important. 
Absolutely. Um, so most cus- companies, you know, they probably do a few things wrong when it comes to customer engagement, retention and action. Are there some commonality, no matter the type or size or business that your clients are working in, that you see in the sorts of errors which people consistently make that you kind of get to come in and help them work out and I guess hopefully improve? Mm. Look, they either don't ask, so they just kind of keep doing whatever it is that they have been doing, um, which is, is it Einstein who says that's a definition of insanity, you know, doing the same thing and expecting a different result. So they either ask, they, 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 they don't ask or worse, I think, is that they, they do ask and then they don't do anything about it. And that's, that's damaging for a whole bunch of reasons, but mostly it's damaging because you, you, there's a transaction that goes on. So when you seek insight as to how could we make this better, um, so you're reaching out to your current customers or to current staff, there's a transaction that happens. So I spend time talking with you and sharing my ideas about what it could be in the future. And if you don't do anything with that, then your business is not going to change the, you know, um, but also I'm going to be really cross with you because I've just wasted an hour of my life and I don't feel that you've seen me or heard me. And it's that idea of so so I work kind of within a closed loop model where so that that engagement, that activation is really critical but also nurturing um, the people who have made an investment, whether it be financial or whether it be emotional in your business are brought into that that strategy loop. So, so if they're a participant in it, they understand um, what you're doing with the information that you've shared with them. And I think one of the big fears that organisations I have uh, that I work with, they go, if we if we ask people what they want, a they don't know, which is not true. We all know what we want, and and or b they're going to expect us to do it. Um, and we're going to open up this ridiculous Pandora's box and make a whole lot of people unhappy because we can't do everything. Uh, and my counsel is always no, that is absolutely not the case. People don't expect that you that it's practical to do every single um, thing that they suggest. Um, they we, we, we are rational and we understand that business realities mean that we can't do everything so long as we make an explanation for why. So we're focusing on XYZ strategy at the moment. We can't pursue this. This is not part of our core business model. But it's creating that that feedback loop um, so that people who've invested don't feel ripped off. Oh, that, that makes sense. So I guess with the digital world, has that enhanced or detracted from that overall customer experience in, in your opinion? Look, I think it's I think it's complicated it. Um, shifting the focus to digital kind of gives us something tangible to focus on. And so we can go, great, um, the reason that we're getting really poor engagement is because we don't have a CRM or the reason that we're getting really poor engagement is because we don't have, you know, we don't have a, a mobile responsive website. They may be part of the reason, but that they are not the reason itself because I think experience is rational and it's emotional. It's, you know, the rational stuff like convenience and accessibility, the speed of your site, how fast you can ship, blah, blah, blah. That all kind of sits above the waterline. If you think of an iceberg, that's all above the waterline and what's below the waterline matters most. Um, and that's the stuff that we do, you know, the the stuff above the waterline's blingy um, and and beautiful and sexy. And so we tend to focus on that. We don't tend to go deeper. And, and increasingly, I think, if we're designing for digital only, we miss that emotional stuff. And research shows that we absolutely can't do that um, because 
like from a business perspective, beige businesses lose in this competitive economy. There are a whole bunch of people, it doesn't matter what business you're in, there there are a whole bunch of other people doing it for cheaper than you are and you can't you can't kind of out-compete unless you're a standout. Um, and actually you don't lose customers on the basis of those those accessibility, convenience things that sit above the waterline. Like if you if you survey customers and you ask them the wrong questions, they'll say, oh, it's because you 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 know, you um, it was hard to use your website, or you weren't open long enough. But actually, what you've you've probably not dug deep enough to find out the actual emotional driver for the reason why they got cross about the accessibility. So if it takes me fifteen minutes to find out what I'm doing uh, on your website, you're actually disrespecting my time. And the reason that I get cross and never go back to your your business again is because you, you've you've hurt me. You've kind of you you've shown me disrespect. So that's actually what it's about, and that's that's what a lot of businesses miss. Yeah, absolutely. So I have two questions I ask all my guests, and of mm. course I'm going to ask you today. Are there any standout mentors in your life that could be well-known or they could be just people in your life that um, have really guided you? What have they taught you about true success? Yeah, I've got um, – I'm really fortunate to have a lot of, of um, mentors in my life, people who are both, um, you know, I've engaged um, as a formal mentor and others who are, 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 you know, just have been a shining kind of guiding light for me. Um, one particular mentor who started me out on this journey and who actually connects you and I, Amber, uh, is Janine Garner. Um, she showed me yes. that it is about human connection, um, you know, by building – by building our network, by building our own, you know, kind of community of success and good practice um, and, and making those connections at a deep level, um, we we can all be more successful. Uh, and she also kind of came into my life when I was making the transition to motherhood and she, she kind of showed me that you can define that um, however you want to define that um, and, and make it your own, which has been fantastic. That's excellent. So last bit of advice, what would be your biggest, maybe one, two or three tips for businesses or other entities out there keen to get ahead in the politics of experience? Mm, great question. So it's to get into that habit of, of seeking insight and being, uh, being brave because sometimes, as, as I said, we, we, we almost like, oh, I don't really want to know what, what people might think. So get it, be brave and get into the habit of seeking insight, not just from big data, um, but also from small data, so from from those um, you know the the quality conversations, structured conversations, and then also to work out a way to integrate that insight uh, into your strategy or into your business process, um, into your your strategic decision making processes, and then of course to feedback um, what you're doing and why. Yeah, that's great tips. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. If you do want to connect further with Emily. There will be some details on our show notes. You've been listening to The Politics of Everything. Until next time. Thanks for listening today. If you've enjoyed The Politics of Everything, we thrive on feedback. So please add a short review and share the podcast with your network and your friends and family. I'm also always on the hunt for fabulous new guests. So if you've got a view to share and an idea how to get our listeners excited, please email me at amber at bespoke comms, that's B-E-S-P-O-K-E, c-o-m-m-s.com.au and we'll be sure to get back to you. Until next time.